Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Truth of the Matter with Jake Fay. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited and honored to have an interview today with my grandfather, Terry Blair. He has a ton of wisdom, and he has graciously agreed to share some of his wisdom and his experience with us. So I can't wait for you to hear that. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. We'll be right back on The Truth of the Matter with that interview with Terry Blair. All right, welcome back. Today I'm very excited to interview my grandfather, Terry Blair, on the show. I'm very much looking forward to it, so thank you so much for joining us. It's a privilege of mine, Jake. Looking forward to it. Yes, it's definitely a privilege for me as well. So to start off, I want to say that we're going to be talking about how to lead a healthy church. So I want people to have an understanding of your history in the church so if you wouldn't mind, could you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself and maybe your involvement from growing up in the church and then later pastoring a few churches of your own? Uh, just could you take a few minutes to tell us about that? Sure. I was actually raised here in Tucson, Arizona uh, by a wonderful praying mother and father who was active in our local church, and they were a tremendous example to my older brother and sister and I through the years. And during my freshman year of attending at the University of Arizona, I met my wife, Nancy, who is also a student there. And we were married in 1976. So this December will be 45 years of marriage to a girl who was an answer to my prayers, I felt like. Just a year or so previous to that meeting, here in Tucson at the University of Arizona. I had felt the Lord dealing with my heart to preach. So I've been married for 45 years and preaching about 47 years, though it's hard for me to believe. I graduated from Bible Training Institute. That was an internal training program by our church in 1978. And I'm also a graduate of Warner Pacific College in Portland, Oregon. And though Nancy uh, had graduated as a teacher after teaching her first year in public school, we were appointed uh, as national evangelists for our international church organization. And so at that point in our lives, we began to travel uh, to local churches. We traveled in about 10 states, plus British Columbia and Alberta, Canada. And Nancy, at the time in those travels, she was conducting children's crusades while at the same time I was preaching to the adults in old time revival services. So I've preached not only for the 47 years, but I preached to small groups as few as 12 to 15 in attendance. And I've also been privileged to preach to 10,000 at one time and another occasion 5,000 in one setting. So wow. it the gambit runs from each end, uh, A to Z, we we eventually pastored churches, as you mentioned, and we loved it. And I served uh, on the counseling committee for the international church and other study committees. And I eventually returned one summer to teach classes at that Bible training institute that I had attended. So currently, I teach Bible studies in our local church, and I still preach and teach at various family camps and couples retreats. And we have two wonderful daughters 
uh, of which one is your mother. <laughs> and we have two wonderful son-in-laws, of which one is your father. And we have six grandchildren that I love dearly, of whom you are the oldest. <laughs> so unlike any of your other guests, uh, I can say that I've loved you uh, since the day you were born and <laughs> prayed for you. So out of all these things and experiences that, that I've listed, my highest honor and my highest position in life and in the church has been to be born again, to be redeemed and delivered by the power of God, to be a Christian. What an honor and a privilege that has been. And, and I owe everything to the Lord. And that sort of gives you a little bit of a background for me. Yeah, it's so cool to hear. And it's amazing for me, too, because you're my family. So I know you and that family that you're talking about. I know them all very well. And I think that this is something that with all of your experience and your wisdom that you are definitely very capable on speaking of this subject. And so I just want to talk about leading a healthy church not necessarily even from just a leadership position that we think of as a pastor or something like that, but as individual members, the role that we can play in churches. And so we know that Jesus is the head of the church and that he intends for us all to come together into one body. And those are kind of just the basics of the church, but it feels like many individual churches, especially in prosperous countries like America, are straying further and further away from Jesus's original design for the church, and we're actually becoming more divided, more worldly. And so can you just give us your thoughts on why this is happening and what as what we as Christians should do to address it? Yes, excellent observation and an excellent question on your part, Jake. And it's also a concern of mine, uh, that the question that you're posing it's my conviction that there's uh, many groups meeting within the United States and around the world. We know that. And some of them profess to be churches and worship centers. And, but many of them, not, I, I would, certainly wouldn't say all, but many of them incorporate actions and attitudes that I can see aren't, are not in alignment uh, with the Bible. So some churches are built around a favorite doctrine. And some are built around a popular speaker or personality. Some churches are built around their music and their singing. And some are built around the promises of material wealth or gain. And while we have the freedom in this wonderful country to do as we please and to do such, still there's a, a calling and a pattern and a blueprint that God has provided for us uh, in his word that we dare not ignore. So first and foremost, to me, the Bible has to be revered and obeyed and followed. And in the New Testament, the early Church of God ministers at that time in the New Testament, they knew the living word before there was ever any written word inspired uh, for that day. So these uh, disciples had to first embrace and accept Christ personally, the word that was made flesh is how John described it. They had to accept him personally before they were instruments in the written word. So this gives you an indication how important the word of God is, both 
uh, coming down in the flesh and then preserving and presenting uh, the written word for our day as a blueprint. And I want to quote just a little bit of that. The Apostle Paul, he says in 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 16 and 17, says all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And a few verses later, uh, the apostle instructs Timothy, saying, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So the written words designed to bring the church to the perfect will of God. It's the only thing that can do it and that can bring us into one. Ephesians chapter 4 speaks of Christ giving the ministry, and then it, it goes on in that chapter, verses 12 through 14, saying uh, regarding the ministry that's given, it's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, speaking of his church, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, and to the measure of the statue of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight or trickery of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So while the unbelieving sinners mock uh, and reject the word of God, I'm afraid today that many churches are doing the same thing by not giving proper emphasis on the scriptures rightly divided. So there's this kind of a silent revolt in many areas, not all, again, I'm saying, but in this day and age that we're living in, where people are turning, they're rejecting the word and turning unto fables. So that turns then churches into social clubs of nice people and sometimes not so nice. And for some, the church has become a place to showcase their, showcase their talents, or you might say a Christian version of America's Got Talent. <laughs> the, the church isn't supposed to be just a talent show or a showcase of our abilities, though. We're supposed to give our best to the master. And so church groups have begun to where they emphasize sports, or they emphasize music or activities or offer a whole buffet of ministries. But if we aren't preaching, teaching, and living and elevating the word, we're majoring in minors and we're missing the whole point. So modern day churches are filling up their buildings with people, I'm afraid, too often who aren't anchored in truth, which leads then to worldly ways and divisions and trouble. And so what can we do about it is part of your question. I think first we need to take a look at ourselves and see if we are seeking to grow in the word on a personal level. Am I, even after 
47 years in the ministry, am I still growing in the Word of God? And I, I was just reading here this week in my own personal Bible reading time about King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, who was king of Judah. That's in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And in that chapter, it tells how a great multitude of nations came against him to battle. And the Bible records that Jehoshaphat set himself, this is the way it's worded, he set himself to seek the Lord. That was his first response, not his last, but his first response. And I wonder, and I would ask, are we asking God to be first in our lives? And are we seeking him first? And are we hiding his word in our hearts and learning what the Bible, God's blueprint what it says to us. So Christians like to make reference to King David in the Old Testament, but David's the one that wrote, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And later in that same chapter of Psalms 119, he said, oh, how love I thy law. How, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So the word taught and preached in power, not just a, a, a lesson, not just dryly presented, but preached and taught in power confronts sin and remedies sin. And right. little or no word equals increase sin and reproach. So it seems to me it's time for Christians to wake up and get back to basics. That's uh, how we can remedy it is personally, we need to get into the word. We need to grow in the word. We need to wake up and get back to the basics of how important the word is. And then we need to seek out a church that preaches and teaches it instead of picking buildings and congregation sizes and buffet ministries. Those things aren't sinful. But the, the basics of the importance, the main thing has to do with the word of God. And are we following the word and building according to the word? And if not, then we get further away from Jesus' original design for the church. And we become more divided and more worldly, as you said. Right. And I love what you're saying because... Growing up, I've heard you talk a lot about how easy it is for us to get so busy doing church work that we end up getting distracted from Christ or distracted from the Bible. And of course, church work is very important. You and I would definitely agree on that. But the problem is when we forget why we're doing it. And far too often, it seems, I think we get so focused on just like you're saying, having impressive services and these impressive events that we leave God out of the equation and just do what we want to do. Of course, we still do it all under the banner of Christianity, and I think that's why it can be deceiving to some people who they probably aren't doing it intentionally, but they're doing it under the banner of Christianity, but Christ isn't really at the center of it. We might talk about him but we're not really being directed by him or he's not at the center of what we're doing. And so from your experience, what advice would you give to Christians who want to make sure that they don't get so busy, so caught up with the church work 
that they forget why they're doing it, that they forget the God and the Bible that's behind that work that they're doing. Yeah, as a, as a young boy uh, growing up in Tucson, Arizona, um, I'll start out with this little story. It was actually common for me to hear my mother, uh, your great-grandmother, I would hear her travailing in prayer as a young boy. I, I could hear her pray late at night. I could hear her pray in the mornings. She was active in our local church. I, I could hear her crying over souls. I could hear her crying over her own family, including me. The reason I'm saying this is that in my early college years and before I was even married, the Lord was dealing with me and, and you know, reading the Bible didn't really appeal to me all that much. Praying didn't appeal to me and something got to stirring within me. And I had asked the pastor if I could borrow the keys to the church. I wanted to see if I could go over at night. I just wanted to go over there all by myself and pray. At first, I didn't know what to pray about, and the church creaked and groaned in the night, and I had most of the lights off. It was up on the stage somewhere praying. But slowly with time, my prayers became more intense. They became more anointed. They became more lengthy, and it ended up being a real turning point that changed my life. And it was there I discovered a relationship with God like I had never known. And I discovered fellowship with the Almighty, where I could go into my own prayer closet and unload and reload. And it was in this prayer closet that I received inspiration for sermons or messages. And it was there I could lay out my questions and my burdens and even where I could question God on things I didn't understand. So here's a little secret to answer your question. This is where it's at. For Christians, this this is the meat and potatoes of where it's at for Christians. Not big programs, not Christian basketball tournaments. Certainly, they're not sinful, but they don't deliver souls. Not Christian concerts, though they're enjoyable. Not huge Broadway shows presented by churches that has this teeny amount about God at the end, a little uh, prayer. It's not in stained glass windows or huge cathedrals or humongous choirs. All of these things are can be enjoyable, but the beautiful building will not give us power over satanic obstacles and sin. As much as I enjoy basketball and, and I've played in a church basketball league and it's fun, um, again, we can have active youth or adults who can do these things and enjoy these things and our attendance grows, but they don't know about travailing. They don't know about deliverance. They don't know about prayer and the depths that you can go into that. And that, that grieves me. So here's a question. What, what does the scripture mean in James 5 and 16, where it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And what's the difference between having a one-minute prayer before we have a Christmas program or before we have a music practice? What's the difference between that and an effectual, fervent prayer? The next verse after that in James 5 and 16 about an effectual, fervent prayer says, Elijah prayed earnestly 
that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And I would underscore prayed earnestly. The Bible has uh, the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. It's the Acts of the Apostles for us to learn from. But you notice it's not the book of activities. It's the actions of the apostles and the power of God's great spirit. And to me, it's time to get back to basics such as prayer power and prayer lives instead of so much church work that it leads to breakdowns. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm sorry, and I love basketball, but basketball games don't pull down strongholds satanic strongholds and and you can name a whole arrangement of activities they they don't affect the enemy that we face and that wants our children wants our youth and wants our marriages and wants our churches and if our people don't know how to pray effective fervent prayers they'll never know how to see the victory in reaching souls and overcoming satan I remember early in our pastoral work, we loved pastoring, and but in that church was a man who, who strongly opposed me, and he strongly opposed my ministry, and, uh, and I've, I'm not saying I'm the best in the world by any means. I felt like, though at the time, I had a prayer life. <laughs> And through evangelism, through our travels, through those years back when at, uh, entering that church building here in Tucson and beginning, and this man began to spread rumors on me and lies about me. Nancy knew it. Uh, she was so wounded over it. And so all I could do was lay it out before the Lord. It was a turning point in my ministry. I could either fight this, get mean and ugly with it as a young minister, but the Lord taught me how to commit it unto him that judgeth righteously. That scripture ministered to me. So in prayer, I cried out and laid it out before the Lord. And, uh, and God divinely intervened in that whole story and in that church. That church, little country church, but we ended, we'd baptize people out in a creek. And I remember one time we ended up, I ended up baptizing something like 31 people in one, one baptismal service wow. out in that creek. So God showed me there's power in prayer, but it's not glorious to people and to churches. They want something uh, to show off, or if you're not careful, pride gets into it. So to me, it's about a personal relationship, knowing the Lord personally, not being churchy and being involved in everything in the world. But the basics is, am I a praying Christian? And is the word uh, hit in my heart? It's not about coasting on my mom or dad's experience. But for me, it's about me seeking with humility and a worshiping heart and seeking his word that it's would be open to me. So the main thing to remember uh, is what the main thing is. I, I say that often. You've heard me say that before. But the main thing is to remember what the main thing is. And, and it's Jesus. 
and Jesus and Jesus. And if you want another suggestion, it's Jesus. (laughs) We've (laughs) he's the only one that can run our churches. He's the only one that can direct our families. It's not the church work. It's not the activity activities. It's not how busy we are and the entertainment we provide. We've become, as you said, worldly in some of these presentations. And yet you call a prayer meeting and you may have just a handful and we're done in five, seven minutes. It's We need to get back to basics. And I think that's what I would suggest on trying to do impressive productions and huge events. Uh, we want, and, and then we, if we collapse with all the church work we have to do. We forget why we're doing it. We need to get back to the basics in that. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of The Truth of the Matter and a special thanks to my grandfather for joining us. I'm actually not done yet. We're just getting started. I'm going to split this interview up over two weeks. So if you want to catch part two, you'll have to remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss that episode. Believe me, he's got a ton of wisdom left to share and you won't want to miss out on it. So thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode. Remember to share this podcast and join me next week to catch part two of this interview with Terry Blair. God bless you guys.